Welcome back to the Depressions Night Sports Fan Podcast. I am Jesse Mapati. We got lots to talk about. Big, big time sports weekend here in Cincinnati this weekend. You got the Reds in a postseason chase. Bearcats football begin their season with high expectations. And then the Bengals play their home opener against the Minnesota Vikings next Sunday. And then you got SEC Cincinnati, who is trying to attempt to win their first home game in their new stadium. That's pretty pathetic, but we'll talk about them later. But let's go. Let's go with the Reds. The Reds. Right now, the Reds are playing. They're eh right now. They hit a four-game losing streak, but they beat the St. Louis Cardinals this week in Game Two of a doubleheader, twelve to two. The offense needed that. Badly because they haven't been hitting well and it's been a concern because this offense cannot hit against left-handed pitching to save their lives. And the Reds did face a left-handed pitcher in J.A. Happ of the Cardinals on Wednesday night and they torched him. And that's what this team needed. They needed some spark in the offensive side and they got it. Nick Castellanos had two home runs including the Grand Slam in the second inning that put it away. And also, the Cardinals thought that he was cheating because he had a bat, right? And the bat was, it was chipped. It was a little, there was a chip in the end. After he hit the Grand Slam, the Cardinals manager went to the umpires and said, hey, check his bat. They thought Nick was cheating. They thought the bat was illegal, blah, blah, blah. All I got to say is Brandon Phillips, the quote he said about the Cardinals saying that they're whiny bitches is true. They are. And I'm and I'm so glad that <laughs> I'm so glad Nick Castellanos. Out of all the players, Nick Castellanos is pretty much public enemy number one in St. Louis. I know the Cardinals fans don't like him. I know some of the players on the team don't like Nick Nick Castellanos. I'm glad that they, I'm glad that he's a Reds for life. I hope I really do because the Reds need to re-sign him, but they won't because the Reds are cheap. So the Reds needed that win last night. And it's just, this is September baseball. This is postseason chase baseball. And the Reds don't usually get this. So I'm trying to I'm trying to embrace this. I really am. But it's really hard because my heart is saying, oh, this team's going to make the playoffs. Yes. But my head's saying, oh, we're going to collapse. I'm sorry. I live in Cincinnati. Shit doesn't go any of our ways. If you're a Cincinnati sports fan, you know that nothing goes our way. So I hope the Reds... Do make the wild card game. People say, well, the wild card doesn't count as the playoffs. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It's still the playoffs. If the Reds win the wild card game, the one game playoff, then they'll play in a division series. This Reds season has been up and down. It's just been a roller coaster season. And right now, the Reds, as you hit September, the roller coaster has to be up. You cannot go down. And the Reds just had a previous four game losing streak. You cannot have a losing streak during this time. Okay? You got like 29, 28 games left of the season. The Reds can, can ill afford to have a losing streak of more than four games. Because you, there's teams chasing after the Reds for that final NL wildcard spot. You have the Phillies. You have the Padres. You have the Cardinals, who came out of nowhere now. And right now the Reds, as of Thursday, September 2nd, hold a half-game lead of the second wildcard spot to the San Diego Padres. As you look at the schedule, you'll say, okay, the Reds have an easy schedule. Yes, the Reds had a second easy schedule in Major League Baseball of the month of September. That doesn't mean they're going to win 
like 80% of those games. I, I, I want that to happen because that means they're going to make the playoffs easily. But as you look at the red schedule, this weekend they got three against the Detroit Tigers, who, by the way, started off the season pretty rough, and now they have played great baseball since May. They have a winning record since May, and that's going to be a tough series. They're going to throw out some pitchers that the Reds players haven't seen. So, And give and take about this team when it comes to seeing new pitchers and especially facing a pitcher that is a left-handed pitcher, you're going you're gonna to expect this to be a low-scoring series. But you hope the Reds will come out of top. So... Three against the Tigers. You hope they take at least two out of three. And then they go to Chicago to take on the Cubs for three. The Cubs came into Cincinnati two weeks ago and took two out of three. You cannot lose a series to the Cubs. Um, Yeah, you can't. You cannot. And then the Reds go to St. Louis to take on the Cardinals, who are chasing after the Reds for that final wild card spot. And then the Reds have three in Pittsburgh. You have to, you have to beat the Pirates. The Reds play the Pirates nine times. During this stretch, you have to beat Pittsburgh. At least you have to have seven wins in those nine contests. Seven wins. And the Reds will play three versus the L.A. Dodgers at home. Then the Pirates will come to Great American Barford for three more. And then the Washington Nationals will come to Cincinnati for four games. And then the Reds will play two against the White Sox in Chicago. And then the Reds will close out the season with three in Pittsburgh. It's pretty much there for the Reds. I, I, this team can't make the playoffs. It's all about executing down the stretch, and it's about not going on a losing streak. So the roller coaster has to be remaining on top for the Reds. And if you look at the schedule, so you get what? Let's see, 3, 6, 9, 12, 15, 18, 22, 24, 27 games left, okay? Realistically, you want this Reds team to at least have. Hmm. You take two out of three against the Tigers. You take two out of three against the Cubs. You take two out of three against the Cardinals. You want to sweep the Pirates. So you sweep Pittsburgh. You probably take one against the Dodgers. You sweep Pittsburgh again in Cincinnati. You take three out of four against the Nationals. You hope for a split in Chicago against the White Sox. And then. You sweep the Pirates in Pittsburgh. But I don't think the Reds are going to sweep the Pirates in three of those series. But they got to at least take two out of three. So 12 and 5. Holy shit, my math is terrible. This is why I was terrible at math in school. There's 27 games left. 12 and 5 would mean Reds have played 17 games. Uh, Jesse's math is not the best. All I'm saying is the Reds better be in position in the last week of the season, the last series of the weekend against the Pirates that weekend. The Reds better be in position to clinch a playoff spot. That's all I'm saying. So I'm looking at the teams that are chasing after the Reds. So the Padres have three against the Astros, two against the LA Angels. They got six more games against the Dodgers. They got 10 more games against the Giants. They get three more games against the Cardinals, and then they get three against the Braves. That's the gauntlet for the San Diego Padres. But the Padres are getting healthy, and they're still a talented team. I just don't think they're going to 
I just don't think they're going to make the playoffs. It's just their schedule is really, really tough, especially 10 against the Giants. And the Giants are battling the Dodgers for the NL West. The Dodgers have overtaken the Giants in the NL West. The Giants have been in first place pretty much all season. And then the Dodgers have just gotten hot recently and have taken over the Giants for first place in the NL West. So, you know, those games are going to be meaningful when the Padres take on the Giants because the Giants really want to win a division. And then, and then the Padres just got swept by the Dodgers a week ago. They played the Dodgers six more times. The Braves hold on to the NL East lead. The Phillies are trying to chase the Braves in that. The Cardinals are chasing after the Reds in the, for the second wildcard spot. The Astros are trying to position themselves for the playoffs. And then the the Angels, they got Shohei Otani. And they're only a couple of games under 500. And they beat the Padres in the series this this past week. So it's a it's a tough schedule for the Padres. For the Cardinals, the Cardinals out of out of nowhere get hot. They always get hot towards the end of the season and sneak in the playoffs. I hate that shit. I hate when I hate when the St. Louis Cardinals always do that. But for the Cardinals, rest of the stretch, they get three more against the Reds in St. Louis. But here's a here's the thing that I don't think the Cardinals will hang around. They get 10 more games against the Brewers. The Brewers are on fire right now. Right now. The Brewers just got done sweeping the Giants three straight in San Francisco. So the Brewers are overachieving this year. And the Cardinals have to play them 10 more times. Then the Cardinals play the Dodgers four more times. They play the Mets three more times. They play the Padres three times. They got seven more games against the Cubs. So that should help them. So that's a tough schedule for the Cardinals. You take business, you take care of business against the Mets and the Cubs, and you got the Dodgers, you have the Brewers, you have the Reds, you have the Padres. That's a tough schedule for the Cardinals. And I just don't think their starting pitching is going to hold up. I really don't think so. But the, the team that I am really concerned that I feel like they can definitely catch the Reds is the Phillies because their schedule is the easiest out of all the teams that are vying for that second wildcard spot in the National League. So they get one more game against the Nationals. They get six against the Marlins. They get three against the Brewers. They get four against the Rockies. They get three against the Cubs, three against the Mets, three against the worthless Baltimore Orioles, and then they get four against the Pirates and three against the Braves. So that's one team that I'm really concerned that can overtake the Reds for that last spot. So that's going to be interesting. This whole race is going to be full of drama, full of anxiety, full of excitement. I'm here for it, but I just don't know what's going to happen because, well, in my head, I know what's going to happen, but I'm trying to think positive, trying to think positive, take it one game at a time. I'm trying to be optimistic, but it's really hard because, like I said, I live in this city and not a lot of good things happen. Well, very little to none. So, we got Joe Burr, but yeah. So, that's the Reds front, and I just hope that I'll be doing a podcast previewing the NL Wildcard game in October 6th. I hope so. Or I'm just going to be talking about the offseason and... I won't be crying, but I'll be really upset because I really like this 2021 Reds team. It's one of my favorite Reds teams. And they deserve to be in the playoffs, but if they don't take care of business down the stretch, then they don't deserve, they don't deserve to be the playoffs, period.
They got to get healthy. They have to start hitting the ball better. The starting pitching has been really good lately, but the offense has to do what they did against the Cardinals on Wednesday night. So they got to be consistent. So that's the Reds front. Bearcats football. The eighth-ranked Cincinnati Bearcats, Luke Fickle and company, opened up the season against the Miami-Ohio Redhawks on Saturday. Guys, I took my time into just going game by game, giving my predictions, and I finally did it. So I'm going to run down through the schedule of the Bearcats this year, game by game prediction, and here we go. So the Miami-Ohio game, that's a W. Murray State the next week, that's a W. At Indiana, at 17th ranked Indiana. Now, Indiana is ranked 17th, I believe, to begin the season. Indiana do open the season at 18th Iowa. So, that's a, right off the bat, Indiana has a a ranked team, a ranked conference opponent team on the road. Indiana is a good football team. They were great last year. That's going to be a tough game. That game is, is September 8th on a Saturday against a noon game, and I had that as a W. That's going to be a tough game. It's going to go down to the wire, but I think the Bearcats pull it off. So the Bearcats get up. They do. Wow. They have a really early bye. So after the Indiana game, the Bearcats get a bye. So 3-0, and then October 2nd against Notre Dame. And you kind of hope Notre Dame is undefeated heading into that game. Well, you kind of hope the Bearcats are too undefeated heading into that game because they have Indiana before Notre Dame. So, Notre Dame has Florida State to open up their season. That's a tough game, too, for them. So, this game, I was very conflicted. I was going back and forth. I was like, well, okay, maybe the Bear- I think the Bearcats can definitely beat Notre Dame, but it's just like, this is nice sports gods, man. They don't let us have good things at all. And this is a... Big spotlight game. This game's on 2.30 p.m. on Saturday, October 2nd. And I had this game as a loss. Fuck, that means the Bearcats won't make the college football playoff because the committee will be like, well, they lost that other game, so that's automatically they won't make the playoff as a non-P5 school team. Oh, fuck them. I mean, I I was really hesitant. I really wanted to put this game down as a W, but... I think the Bearcats lose this game. It's going to be a close game. Honestly, it's 50-50. I think the Bearcats can definitely beat Notre Dame on the road. But I just had this game as a loss. Ah! After Notre Dame, the Bearcats play Temple Owls to open up the conference opener Friday, October 8th. I have that game as the W for the Bearcats. So the Bearcats are now 4-1, rebounding after that tough loss to Notre Dame. And then the Bearcats will have UCF. On Saturday, October 16th, that time is TBA. I hope that game is a college game day game. It's a night game, nipper at night. I keep telling you guys that you should go to a Bearcats football game, especially at night, because Nipper Stadium at night is a different atmosphere. It's just it's just so great. I think you guys should definitely go. And I, and I hope this UCF game against the Knights is a primetime game, and I hope game day get their asses to Nipper Stadium because the Bearcats and those fans and those students deserve a college game day, period. So I have that game down as a W for the Bearcats. After UCF, the Bearcats travel to Navy. That's Saturday, October 23rd, a day before a day before my birthday, or after my birthday, after my birthday. That game's a noon game. 
I have like down to W, but that's a sneaky game because Navy with that triple option shit, you just never know. So that, that could be a close game. And then at Tulane, Saturday, October 30th, time is to be announced. I hate that. I hate that TBA. That had that game down as a W. So for the first, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Seven and one. First eight games. Seven and one. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. So the Bearcats will play home against Tulsa Saturday, November 6th. TBA. That's a tough game because Tulsa really pushed us in the AAC Conference Championship game last season. Bearcats winning at the buzzer with a game-winning field goal. So I have that game down as a W, but that's going to be a really close game. And then the Bearcats will go to UCF. I'm sorry, to, to South Florida, take on USF. That's a Friday game, November 12th at 6 p.m. I had the downs of W, but for whatever reason, the Bearcats, when they play South Florida, down in Florida, they always struggle. It's almost the same case as a basketball team. They always struggle at USF. Makes no sense. I don't know why Bearcat teams, football and basketball, struggle against USF. Makes no sense. After South Florida, the, the Bearcats return home for homecoming. Last home game of the year against SMU. That's a Saturday game, November 20th. I had like down to W, but that's going to be a close game. SMU is a good football team. Even though they lost their star quarterback to the NFL, SMU still has offensive weapons around them. So that's going to be a tough game. And then to close out the season, the Bearcats are at East Carolina. That's a Saturday game, November 27th. And had that, had that down as a W. But the Bearcats do struggle at East Carolina just like the basketball team. So I don't know why football and basketball struggle at South Florida and at East Carolina. Two of the bottom tier teams in the AAC. Makes no sense. I have no reason why. I don't know why. So the Bearcats finished the season at 11-1. That's still good, y'all. That's still really good. And then I have them playing in the Conference Championship game. That's December 4th. That game will be at Nipper Stadium. I have them either playing against SMU or Tulsa. It's going to be a good game, but I have the Bearcats winning for the second consecutive, the second consecutive season. And then I have the Bearcats playing in a New Year's Six Bowl game. And I have them winning that game again to revenge after losing to Georgia in the Peach Bowl in the first game of 2021. So the Bearcats, I have them finishing 13-1 overall for the whole season. That's still good. That's still a damn good year. I'm not going to change my Notre Dame prediction. I'm not going to change that. I want to. I feel like the Bearcats can beat Notre Dame, but I had that as a loss. But 13-1, that's still great. This is Luke Fickle's best squad. We'll see. We'll see. It's good on paper. You just hope everyone stays healthy, especially the key returning players. And it's it's important that the Bearcats have the fans back in the stands. They have the student section. They have the ruckus. It's very important because this team on on paper is really special. On paper is definitely Luke Fickle's best team as he's going to year five. It's good times to be a Bearcats football fan and... We shall see. I'm looking forward to talking about this team this year. And I hope you guys really... I know a lot of people like Ohio State. You know, Notre Dame. uh, Who else? Clemson. Trying to think of other teams. 
that are that are like the blue collar teams. I think you guys should definitely pay attention to Cincinnati Bearcats because <clears throat> they are for real. They are they're gonna make some noise. They have all this media buzz, and deservingly so. And you just hope that they you just hope they cash in on it. I really do. I really do. So I'm excited. And I'm just doing the whole knock on wood thing. Everything goes right, then it's gonna be a special year down at Nipper Stadium. Alright, switching on to the Bengals. So Joe Burr, last Sunday, played three snaps. Thank God he didn't get hurt. Jamar Chase dropped an easy screen pass from Joe Burr. So last week I talked about giving Jamar Chase the benefit of the doubt. <clears throat> Because he's been dropping passes in practice and the preseason games. And I think everyone's thinking, well, <clears throat> he hasn't played football in a year. You know, it's all in his head. I think he's trying to do too much because he wants to be the best receiver in the league, which is fine. He's one. That, I think he is the best receiver in the draft class of this year. But also, he's dealing with baby mama drama. So, allegedly... Jamar Chase hit his pregnant ex-girlfriend. Boy is guilty of something. Okay? He is guilty of something. And I don't know why these athletes... Listen. If you want to be with somebody, go ahead. But when you're with somebody and they're either trying to take advantage of you or just trying to take the money, which pretty much these chicks out here are trying to do, like... If you think the situation is not good, then walk away. If you're if you're trying to hit somebody, knowing that you're a star athlete, they're gonna they're gonna do everything they can to blackmail you and get that damn money from you. And Jamar Chase, you better you better get that shit together, okay? I don't want this thing to be a lingering throughout the whole season. I don't I don't need this in my life, okay? Now I feel like the Bengals kind of fucked up in the draft process. We should have got Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida. Or we could have gotten Sewell, but, I mean, the Lions got him, and he didn't really have a good preseason, but we'll see. I mean, if Jamar Chase can produce this year, which I'm hoping that he can, then I'll forget about this baby mama drama shit. But if he's dropping passes right off the bat, and it's it's clear that he's not right in the head, then uh, it's. I'm going to have a podcast where I'm just going to go off on the Bengals organization and pretty much go off on Jamar Chase. Because that's your fault, homie. That's your fault for allowing this drama mess to be indulged into your life. And you're a professional athlete. You're a top five pick. And yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty much in this guy's head. So, Lord have mercy. Get it together, Jamar Chase. Because I gave you the benefit of the doubt in the last podcast. Now, I'm like, dude, you're hella guilty. You need to get that shit together. Now. <laughs> Lord have mercy. The defensive rush for the Bengals looks pretty good. Um, I'm hopeful that it'll be way better than it was last year. And... <clears throat> Get ready. Season preview of this Bengals team will be next week. I'm going to go game by game, predicting win-loss for every game, just like I did for the Bearcats. So I'm looking forward to the Bengals season. They're a very intriguing team. I think they're 
the reason why they're intriguing is because obviously the quarterback Joe Burrow. I think everyone wants Joe Burrow to succeed, like myself, and he's the only hope when it comes to the Bengals. He is seriously the only hope. But I'm not just saying he's the only hope. I'm just saying that the Bengals do have talent on their team. It's just about executing. And it's about the coaches around them. And I just don't think Zach Taylor is the right guy for this team. Will I give him a chance this year? Yes. Now, knock on wood. I'm going to do that again. Knock on wood that everyone stays healthy. And if Zach Taylor doesn't get the job done, he's gone. And I feel like Mike Brown and company have made that clear that if he doesn't do well this year, then he's gone. And he's gone. So they're an intriguing team. They play in a tough-ass division in AFC North because you have the Cleveland Browns who are favorite to win division. A lot of people have the Browns representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. You still got the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. And then you can never really count the Pittsburgh Steelers, even though they're not the Pittsburgh Steelers of the old. They're still the Steelers, and you can never really count them out. And the AFC is, as a whole is just really tough. So I'm going to go in depth about this next week as I preview the Bengals season. But I just want the Bengals just to compete. And when you have a quarterback like Joe Burr, who is a competitor, who is a champion in a college level, he'll bring all that moxie to this team. And it just makes this team it just makes this team exciting. You know? So I just hope that the Bengals have a better season than they had the last four the four seasons. So that's the Bengals. Lord have mercy. Let's talk about soccer before we end this podcast. FCC Cincinnati. <clears throat> so the I was at the Columbus Crew game for the Hell is Real game against the Columbus Crew last Friday. And FCC Cincinnati, heading into that game, I was thinking, you got to win this game. Because the last game, FCC blew a two-goal lead. Columbus was down, I believe, two-man. And they still tied that game. They still ended up in a draw. For some reason, this team just don't know how to finish soccer games. And that was the same case last Friday in Columbus. Now, the game was 1-1, and I believe it was around the 75th minute where FCC scored, at the time, the go-ahead goal. So it was 2-1. I was at the game. I was cheering for FCC. I'm thinking, oh, my God, they could actually win this game. But in my head, I'm thinking there's only 14 minutes left of the game plus stoppage time. Uh, you wish they would have scored this goal around, <clears throat> like, what, the 88th minute? So, FCC scored the go-ahead goal at the time, and then the crew tied the game. I believe it was five minutes later. I'm like, okay, 2-2. Okay, there's still about 15 minutes left of the game, so FCC still has time to hopefully score the winning goal. Not even 30 seconds after the crew tied the game, the crew... Scored another goal. And after that, FCC was dead. Two goals in under 30 seconds. That whole stadium went nuts. I'm just standing like, what the hell just happened? Did that really just happen? Two goals in under 30 seconds? I couldn't believe it. 
FCC was dead because even though there was about, see, like 14 minutes left, they had no life. It looked like they got their hearts ripped off, which they did, and they definitely couldn't recover. It's a mess right now with this organization. And I'm not a soccer guy, but I will root for FCC just because they're a professional sports team in this city, but... They got some loyal supporters, and I feel like they're definitely being lied to. Their head coach is trying to get players, his players. He wants to get players that will fit his system. I don't think this organization is allowing him to. They, they, they have signed a couple of players this past week, or the last two weeks, I'm sorry. And you hope that that could be a sign that FCC is saying, okay, Okay, um, Storm. That I'm gonna get. We're gonna get your players, and you pretty much do the rest when it comes to how you're going to develop them. You hope that, but you just don't. You don't really trust ownership. You don't really trust the organization when it comes to just any professional sports team in the city. I don't trust anybody. And I know SEC has a loyal fan base, but at at the same time. If you're a season ticket holder, I mean, when is enough? When is enough? I feel like if next season, if this continues throughout next season, I just I just do away my season tickets. Like, fuck it. If you guys don't, if you guys are taking my money and you're not caring about putting, putting a good field on a, putting a good product on the field, then why the hell should I even support you guys? Why the hell should I go down to TQL Stadium if you guys don't care? So that's what I that's what I think of FC Cincinnati is that I just they I don't feel like they're trying and they haven't hired a GM yet. I feel like they're gonna do that during the offseason. But man, they gotta get the, they gotta get this they gotta get this shit together. Like come on now. <laughs> I feel like FCC fans are I don't feel like they're on the brink of like just like saying I'm done, but it's tense right now. It's really tense, and this team hasn't won a home game in their newly home stadium. They've been drawing a lot of games, so SEC plays against Inner Miami Saturday night. I don't know what to expect from that game. I'll be there. They could win that game. Shit, if SC wins, if SEC wins their first home game, they're gonna be the they're gonna be the first thing I'm gonna talk about in next week's podcast. Okay, that's that's okay. FCC, you hear that? You hear that? It's not gonna be the Reds. It's not gonna be the Bearcats. It's gonna be FCC Cincinnati finally winning their first home game in your new stadium. That's gonna be the headline to begin the podcast next week. But if you guys lose or draw, then you guys are going to be in the bottom. And I'm not trying to be a troll or a hater. It's just right now, right now, it's just it's not, it's not good right now when it comes to being an SEC Cincinnati fan. But you hope things will turn around. You really do. So lots of sports this weekend. Like I said, you have the Reds playing the Tigers this weekend. You have UC opening up their football campaigns against the Miami Ohio Redhawks. Rivalry game, battery for the victory bell. The Bearcats have won 14 in a row. It's going to be 15 after this weekend. 
And then you have FCC playing at home against Inter-Miami, and you just hope that they win their first home game ever at T-Grail Stadium. So next week's podcast, I'm going to recap the Bearcats-Miami-Ohio game and then preview their game against Murray State. And then we'll talk about the Reds and their positioning after next week. And then talk about FCC Cincinnati. Hopefully by then they will have their first home win. Probably not. I don't know. And then I'm going to preview the Bengals season. I'm going to preview their game-by-game schedule, win-loss record. And then what else? I think that's it. That's it. So last podcast. I was a little bit on the weather. That's why I was a little bit wispy. So I'm back. And I'm just looking forward to just talking about sports in this city. It's a good time to be a Cincinnati sports fan. Never really say that a lot. But let's just embrace it. Let's embrace this Reds postseason chase. Bearcats got a top 10 football team. And you got the Bengals with Joe Burr. Hopefully, knock on wood, he stays healthy throughout the rest of the season. And then you just hope FC Cincinnati can just improve and get better down the stretch of the regular season. All right, guys. I'll see you next week. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Enjoy sports. And I will talk to you guys next week. Peace.